This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Pastor Michael Maiden. And Pastor, so good to have you with us. And your new book, What is Heaven Saying, is really blessing us because you teach that we need to keep tuned in, especially in this hour, into the message of heaven because the world is broadcasting an entirely different message, obviously, that we hear in social media, in the news. And and you teach, Pastor, that it's time to sort of uh, clear our head, so to speak, of all that stuff and begin to focus on what heaven is saying. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. It's an honor to be with you. And thank you, Sid, for allowing me this opportunity to share. And it's really true that Prophetic ministry probably has never been more important uh, to the body of Christ because it's like seeing in the dark. There's so much darkness, as Isaiah said, gross darkness covers the earth. The Lord shall arise upon you as the Lord is seen upon you. So what a time where God's people really need to uh, depend upon the Holy Spirit and then really benefit from his um, you know, incredible leadership, which includes uh, prophetic insight. Um, into every every aspect of our lives. And Pastor, I, I have to tell you, you've been a pastor now for 42 years. And when I was reading your material, I was so impressed with somebody that of your stature in the ministry that's still passionate about reaching the one, the one at the grocery store, the one uh, sitting in the third row of your church. And you have a you have a massive audience that you reach out to, but I'm excited about that you are excited uh, to reach the one. And uh, it's not always been matter of fact and easy to, you know, pour out your heart to people. You went through a real trying time in 1995. You you learned, you went through the school of hard knocks. Give us that story because this whole story is about the power of speaking the prophetic word. And uh, you, you went through some very hard times. Uh, and talk about that story if you would. Yeah, thank you, Ron. And I, I, I love to share the story of God giving me a, um, you know, a real divine comeback. And um, for for that, we, um, my, my wife and I began our church when we were just kids, 27, in uh, 1985, and the Lord blessed it. And it grew about 4,000 people on Saturday here in my hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona. Our worship leader was Israel Fulton. We had a genuine move of God um, that that only could be expressed as just a divine touch of God. And we were building a building. We were building a 4,800-seat auditorium in the summer of 1995. And our church treasurer, a local businessman, uh, embezzled $20 million from us. So we emptied out the, you know, the church, and many of our church members, including my wife and I, had accounts and business with him. He had a financial like a savings and loan kind of situation. And uh, so we went from, you know, building a building that was halfway up to being in the front page of the paper 10 times, to having six lawsuits, two class action lawsuits, to having death threats to our church 
decreasing from 4,000 to 140 people. And uh, I had 15 concurrent attorneys simultaneously. I fell into from from, from about that time till um, um, almost uh, 1998, I fell into a a chronic, a manic, and often uh, a clinical and suicidal depression for two and a half years. And uh, I never did drugs or alcohol. I just did Twinkies and donuts <laughs> and got way, you know, 350 pounds, whatever it was. Wow. And um, so that that was my oldest son. who was only 13. He was already a really good athlete. He started, you know, self-medicating. Our family was homeless. So we had a house that was in the church's land. We lost that. We were literally homeless uh, for a period of time. And, and church, you know, just... You know, kind people took care of us for a few months. So all those things happened, and I was only 37. So it's it's a tough thing to be 37. I think your, you know, your best days are behind you. Your life is over. There's no future for you. And you know, hardships happen. You know, our best friends were on staff, and they went down the block and took a couple thousand people, literally just a couple of blocks from us to start a church. And so just just kind of chaos and heartache. It just kept going on and on. And one day the Lord said to me um, in my car, I, I had to drive my kids to high school. And uh, they went to a, a Christian high school, so it took a while to get there. And so I've, I've been in my car a couple hours every day, morning, afternoon. And uh, one day the Lord said to me, Michael, would you like the pain that you feel to go away? And I said, of course. And he said, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain that they've caused you. Mm. And of course, that goes back to Manasseh. Manasseh was Joseph's oldest son. And Joseph went through betrayal from his family, 13 years of really just hellish difficulty. And he named his oldest son Manasseh, saying, God has made me forget all the pain in my father's house, the pain of his journey. In fact, he he took care of the people that had wounded him and bruised him. And so I started praying every day, forgiving the people that had hurt me. I made a list, and uh, I tell people, made a list, I checked it twice. Everybody was naughty, nobody was nice. <laughs> but I, I made a list of people that I, that, you know, I felt offended by, that had taken money or taken up, you know, taken advantage of our situation. And about six weeks, maybe seven weeks into it, I, I pray four times a day for them. And so I'm in my car praying this prayer, and the the glory of God came into the car. It's all I can describe it. I, I don't remember driving home. I started weeping in a convulsive way. And there was literally trauma and pain just exiting my body. And next thing I know, I'm in my driveway at home. I don't know how I got there. You know, either the Lord had to help me get home. And when I sat in my driveway at home, I realized the pain had left me. Wow. That when I did what Jesus asked me to do, forgive the people that had hurt me. He did what he promised to do, take the pain that caused me away. And that was the beginning of the Lord healing me from serious, life-threatening depression. And, um, you know, I, I was finishing my Ph.D. in psychology, so it was, which, which was both a good and bad thing, you know, to, to realize how sick I was. Um, but it, it was all, you know, per, kind of perfect timing for God to have me do that then. But the Lord gave me a miracle, and um, right now I pastor some of the, you know, God's restored us, and and uh, we have a bunch of campuses, and you know, a lot of people come to church here, and it's in our city, our, our church is a sign and a wonder. 
because people, the whole city talked about our church then. And no one, I mean, no one gave us a chance of a comeback. And most people thought I'd be out of the ministry because of what had happened. And for Jesus to give us a comeback, to restore us in the same place where we had lost, just like Job, the Lord gave us a double-fold restoration, twice as much. The Lord gave us a, an incredible miracle property for free right in the heart of Phoenix. That's where my brother Sid was when he was here a few years ago. And, and so it's just a incredibly redemptive story. And uh, I have nothing—you know, when God, when God gives you a comeback, every day is a good day. And uh, like last year, after he was raised from the dead, he never had a bad day again, you know, because <laughs> he had something to compare it to. Uh, this was nothing. I, I, you know, I, I once was dead. Exactly. And, and you know, Pastor, even while you're talking, uh, I, I can hear your heart. I'm sure the listeners at home can hear your heart. And uh, you, you're a man that has been through the valley of the shadow of death, and you come out on the other side, and he has prepared a table before you in the midst of your enemies. And and it all started, and a lot of your teaching in your book is about that prophetic word, so to speak. It came directly from heaven to you, but that, that yeah. release you to forgive and to move on and so on and so forth. And so you are really passionate, obviously, about hearing the voice of God, hearing the word of the Lord, and then giving that word to others. And, and so you're passionate about all believers, Pastor, can prophesy. Yes. Every, every believer, you know, in the Bible, there, we can tell by how much something is spoken about or emphasized, how, how prioritized it is in the kingdom. So, so the scriptures kind of give us that. So in the Bible, there's a whole entire chapter, one of the longest chapters in the entire Bible, is a chapter on the singular gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And so it is highlighted. It, it is, and so everybody can prophesy. So desire earnestly the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love, walk in love. Well, that's that's what you teach, Pastor. Everything yeah. we do, whatever gift uh, that we're used in at the time or at any time, it has to be grounded in love. Yes, and, and I think that's what Sid Roth. I think I think you guys represent that so well. You you feel. God's love when you see Brother Sid minister. And that's the the whole function, you know. So just before this whole long chapter about prophecy, there's a whole, the most beautiful uh, expression of love on earth is 1 Corinthians 13. It, it talks about God's agape love. And uh, so prophetic ministry without love ends up, you know, not having a good consequence. So there's there's almost nothing more damaging to the body of Christ than a person with a strong prophetic gift, but who is unloving. Mm. So an unloving person with a powerful gift, because there's, they can be accurate about their gift, but then they're inaccurate about the, the, the attitude, the expression, or the heart of God. It's like having the mind of God, but not having the heart of God. And uh, so the heart of God is love. And so everybody gets to prophesy. It's like a party everybody's invited to. And it's been a shame um, Ryan, that the gift of prophecy has been devalued, and uh, so, so you know, people talk about, well, you know, it's okay if, you know, some people have it. No, everybody's supposed to have it. Jesus said, "My sheep, every single one of you, hear my voice." So everybody gets to function and to get the prophecy. I, I, I want to share 
this vision I had a couple of years ago, and I was talking to the Lord just right here in my living room about, hey, you know, Lord, um, uh, show me, you know, your heart concerning prophecy. And, I, and right away I was in heaven, and I was standing in the aisle of a warehouse. This is a metaphor because, you know, there aren't any warehouses in heaven, but God's showing me something. And this aisle went on so long I couldn't see the end of it. And on, on both sides of it, the shelves went so high I couldn't see how high they went. They just went unendingly high. And next thing I know, I'm next to a shelf, and a drawer's pulled out, and, it's, and it was filled with mail. This entire warehouse was filled with mail, and they were handwritten letters. And so the Lord said to me, Michael, these are all the undelivered love letters I have for mankind. Please help me deliver some of them with the rest of your life. Wow. And then I got it. God has written a love letter to every person on this planet. Every person deserves a prophetic encounter. And um, so I just, you know, every every time I get, whether I'm on an airplane, whether I'm in the mall, whether I'm at church, no matter where I'm at, I'm always sensitive, God, this person I'm next to, do you, you know, is there a love letter do you have for them? And Pastor, I want to reiterate again how uh, amazed I am that you do that because you don't see a lot of people in such a public ministry uh, reaching the one. I just want to honor you with doing that because that's love. And and I want to take you back to two stories uh, along the lines of love and the prophetic. And uh, again, I can tell the deep sense of love that you have for people uh, in, the, in where the prophetic and love crisscross. Your own son, years and years ago now, uh, when you guys were going through such a hard time, who was 13 and you had, you had talked and you're open with the story about how your son yeah. became addicted to drugs and left the home. And, and that on top of everything else, that was a tough season with your son doing that. But talk about you never gave up your heart of love for your son. Talk about how that process with your own son and the prophetic word and love all coincided. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. And yeah, my, my, my beautiful son, Matthew, when he was about 13, these, you know, this, this shaking hit our, our church and our family, of course. And he started self-medicating with probably marijuana. And, and he had a lot of rich friends. He was a very popular and successful athlete already, a star basketball player. And so he graduated to cocaine and more serious drugs. And by the time I found out about that, you know, I put him in treatment a couple of times just as a teenager. But, you know, he, he kept struggling. And then the day, you know, as soon as he quit, he moved out of the house. And, um, you know, drug dealers in our city were trying to kill him. The police were trying to arrest him. And so, I, 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 you know, Mary and I would just go and lay on his bed where he used to sleep, and, and we'd pray, God, don't let our son die tonight. That's how desperate we became for, for him. And uh, the Lord said, I was laying on his bed just crying one night, and, uh, you know, because he's running the streets, and he's 18 or 19 years old, 17 or 18, 19 in that, in that age gap. But he's gone from us, and um, the Lord said to me, I want you to change the way you talk about your son. And, and, and I realized that over the years, I had stopped praying like faith prayers, and I was just praying for mercy prayers. I was in a survival mode. And the Lord said, the way you're talking about your son, all you do is talk about where he's at and what he's going through. And the Lord said to me, I want to remind you of who I said he was and what I said he would do. And, I, and all these prophetic words he had gotten through the years. And so I went to my wife and said, honey, we have to change the way we talk about Matthew, both when he's, you know, with us, but all, when we're just in our house together. 
And so we reacquainted ourselves with all the words God given us about Matthew being a man of God, a history maker, a world shaker, a businessman, a great minister, a father, a husband. And so we started walking around the house declaring things. When I would see him every few weeks, he was always respectful, even when he was going through this you know, really tough time. I would look in his eyes and say, his bloodshot eyes say, Matthew, you're a history maker for Jesus. You're going to do amazing things for God. And, uh, and I would say three or four of the specific things the Lord had showed us about him. Well, well, after praying for seven years and nothing really happened in his story, there was no abrupt change. Within seven weeks of changing our vocabulary and saying over him the things God had said to us about him, um, one night he was playing college basketball. He went to a church. He, he stopped going to any church, but he went to a church to visit a girl. And the girl said to him, the only way I'll see you is if you come to my church. So, so she tricked him to church. Praise God for all the girls who tricked him into church. <laughs> and so he's sitting, the, he's sitting in the back row of church, and he's, you know, he's waiting for church to get over so he can see this girl. And the power of Jesus hit him. And uh, the, the, I think there was a guest evangelist of this little church. He fell down the aisle. He shook for, I don't know, 30 minutes. So when he got up, he was completely free from all drug addiction. Mm. He moved back to our house, a changed man. He went to Haiti for a year as a missionary, went to Bible school, married a wonderful girl from our city, now has four kids, is a leader in our church, an ordained pastor, is a successful businessman in our um, in our city. So all the things God said about our son have come true, and it really began when we changed our vocabulary, when we started saying over him, instead of saying where he was and and you know, pleading for God to help, we started saying the two-edged sword, God, you said this over our son. We declare that he's going to be a successful businessman, a man of God, a history maker, a world shaker. And man, God touched him supernaturally. So he's, he's a trophy in our family of what of the kindness of God, the faithfulness of God, for sure. So there you have it, friends, a story that cuts to the heart. And that's one of the reasons why Pastor Maiden wrote this book, What Is Heaven Saying? Because in the natural, things did not look good for his son. Things did not look good for his church or his own life, uh, Pastor Maiden's own life. But what was heaven saying during that time? And Pastor, what is this book going to do for the people at home when they get a hold of it? Well, it's going to help people overcome any kind of hindrance they have concerning prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. So sometimes we see someone who's well-developed in prophecy or a real prophet, and we say, wow, that's so amazing. And instead of kind of seeking God for a word on our own, we ask God to give that person a word for us. And there's nothing wrong. Praise God for all the prophets. God uses me um, literally tens of thousands of times for that. But in the body of Christ, the Lord wants every single person to be prophetic. So he wants every person to know they can hear God's voice, that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, Peter said, this is that which Joel prophesied in the last days, says God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy that all of us as the sons and daughters of God have access to hear God's voice and to speak his voice out loud. And uh, there's so much authority and power in that. When, and when people say to me, well, I've never heard God's voice, that's always untrue. They just haven't discerned the voice of God that they've been hearing. And so God wants everybody, especially this moment in history, 
He wants us all from every individual to every family, to every church, to every leader, to every environment, to every circumstance. There is so much uncertainty, chaos, and fearfulness that God's people need to have the bright light of the Word of God in the midst of that circumstance. Remember in the book of Acts chapter 27, uh, Paul's on a boat, and they've been in, the, in a hurricane for weeks. In fact, Dr. Luke describes it and said it was so bad, you couldn't tell night from day for, for weeks. It was just pitch black. And they dumped the cargo overboard, and now the sailors and the soldiers are ready to throw the, the slaves and the prisoners overboard. The Bible says, when there was no hope, Paul stood up and said, I have a word from God. I've heard from God. Nobody's going to die. We're going to make it to an island, and everything's going to be okay. And one person who had a word from God saved over 270 people. One person hearing God can change a city, a family, a business, um, a church. One person who has a word from God. So um, it's just so vital and it's so important that we, um, and people say, well, well, how do I get it? You know, in the kingdom of God, God gives gifts as uh, you know, these beautiful expressions of grace, but then he sees, he watches and see who pursues those gifts. So the Bible says, pursue, seek, covet earnestly these gifts. And so desire, desiring and asking God for them. And so I was just a 19-year-old kid when I was reading the, the, the Gospels, and Jesus said the Holy Spirit would show me things to come. And I, and I put down my Bible and I said, how come I'm not seeing things to come? And I went on a quest as a teenager to not have a life where God wasn't speaking to me. And within a few days, it might have been two weeks, I started having God encounters. God started talking to me about people and about the future. And, and the gift of prophecy and the words of knowledge started flowing because I sought it. I pursued it. And I determined I wouldn't live without it. And that's why you make it clear that everybody can have this. It's for every single believer. In fact, the best prophet, Ryan, that you will ever have in your life is yourself. <laughs> I, I, I understand. Now, yeah. Pastor, you, you have—there's this powerful story. I just love it so much. You, you talk about a word from the Lord and talking about hearing what heaven is saying. You were preaching in Tucson uh, one day, and maybe it was while you were preaching. I'm not sure, but God showed you some men located— on the third and fourth row, that they were homosexuals. What happened after that? Yeah, I was a young preacher, and I had kind of, I would say, um, pretty strong opinions and beliefs of theology about sexual sin. You know, homosexuality is a sin according to the Scripture. It's right ideas. And, and so while I'm preaching, I had an open vision about one of the boys, the boy at the aisle, sitting at the aisle, and I saw him go through almost three years of, of horrible physical sexual abuse. And I saw the time frame in his life. And the Lord said to me, so I'm preaching a message, and God talked to you about something else simultaneously. It was crazy. And the Lord said to me, Michael, I wonder what kind of man you would have turned out to be if you had gone through what this young man had gone oh, through. Wow. And it gave me, it broke my heart for him. It gave me so much compassion, and it took away judgment. And um, I, I, I left the stage, came down, and I, and I whispered in his ear what I'd seen. And what happened next is just unbelievable. He let out a blood-curdling scream, and he fell on the ground. And his, you know, the whole church was wondering what's going on. And 
And some people say, well, demons leaving him. And the Lord said to me, no, it's trauma. Trauma is leaving him. And I found out that prophetic words, a word of knowledge from God, can open up the vault and let trauma lead people's souls from all kinds of things they've been through. And uh, so it's just, you know, I've had so many encounters like that, Ryan, where God showed me something about a person that, that maybe would have never opened their heart to God, but because of hardness or difficulty or trauma, but one word from God unlocked their heart. One loving, accurate word from the Holy Spirit opened up their heart to Jesus. And, and I've seen that happen literally thousands of but times. But here's the key, Pastor, that you teach in your book is uh, this is for everybody, but you have to go for it. You do. In, in the ministry of Christ and the Gospels, there's one kind of um, repeated behavior that I, that I was really attracted to. And the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And so when he was moved with compassion, he said to multitudes, he raised the dead boy from the, from the grave, he healed the blind man, he cleansed the leper. There was always a supernatural consequence when Jesus followed where love led him. And I just tell people, you know, the Holy Spirit will stir you about, um, you know, draw you, and you'll, you'll feel this this tug about, you know, someone standing next to you in the grocery line or, or some other place. And that's the Holy Spirit saying, just follow me. It doesn't have to be overly complex. It doesn't have to be, you know, a 10-minute prophecy. It can be one sentence, you know, that comes from the heart of God to them. And in our church, as a young pastor, I, I suppose I was 25 or so, and I was leading worship in my father's church in, in uh, Orange County, California. And every Mother's Day, this guy would come. He was a USC athlete. He was a multi-millionaire, he was a playboy, he was away from God, but the only thing his mother asked him was, please come to church on Mother's Day, so he would come every Mother's Day. So he And so he's standing, he's towering, he's this giant athlete, and he's standing there, his arms are folded, I'm leading worship, and he's like staring at me, you know, nodding, you know, just, <laughs> just, just uh, with scorn and ridicule. And um, I'm thinking, you know, my mind thinks, what you know? That, that's not that's not a nice guy. And right well, when I thought that, Lord said, "I want you to go prophesy to him." And so we had this little fellowship break after the songs. We'd spend five minutes meeting each other, and so I ran down up the stage, and I said, "Can I share one thing with you?" And he said, "Yeah." And so I I shared with him. The Lord said, "He's sorry your father died when you were twelve, and he wants you to know he didn't kill your father." And he's proud of how you've grown up without a father to be a successful man. But I said that without knowing one thing about him. I didn't know his father died when he was 12. I didn't know how he died. That big giant of an athlete, that multimillionaire man, fell on his knees and began to weep. He received Christ. And um, there are, I think, so many miracles that, w- that will happen. If we'll just you know, take the chance and... And just go for it and follow where, where love leads us, follow the prompting of the Spirit. And when I tell people, when someone's face or someone's name pops into your your mind, you know, a lot of times, that's, you know, God, God wants to give you a, a word of encouragement for that person. And uh, so there's just, it, it, you know, you know like, like that vision I saw at the warehouse, there's a warehouse full of undelivered prophetic words that God's looking for people to carry out. And the, the whole secret of being used of God in prophecy 
is availability. God will use anybody who shows up and says, Lord, here I am, send me. And uh, I've had that happen so many times when I said, Lord, you have a word for this person. I don't think he's ever told me no. Wow. (laughs) And you teach, Pastor, not only can everyone hear the voice of God, uh, it's just that we're not recognizing it. And I love how you teach that. We're not going to necessarily hear Ryan or Michael, thus saith the Lord. You are, you know, it, it's your own words. You Talk about that for a minute. He, he talks to you the way you would talk to you. That, that's so good, Ryan. Yeah, the, the Lord speaks our, our own language. So he speaks, he speaks in, you know, the vocabulary that our, our heart, our mind, that we self-talk with. He, he speaks in with symbols or events or circumstances that are meaningful to us. And so, you know, if, if someone loves sports, he'll talk to them in sport language. Just so the Lord, the Lord speaks our sign language. He speaks appropriate things. Remember when uh, Elijah had this encounter from God and there was a fierce earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. There was a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then there was a still small voice. But that's what it's, that's what the Holy Spirit is. People say, "What's what's hearing God's voice like?" I said, "It's this quiet, gentle voice in my heart." And when I quiet myself, I can hear His voice. And so that's the art. The art is quieting our soul from all the other voices, from all the noise, from all the chaos, and coming at peace, and then hearing His voice, and then following in actions. But everybody. Um, uh, hears God's voice. Every believer hears God's voice. It's just about then kind of you know uh, discerning and even quieting other voices that would um, uh, drown out the voice of God. And Pastor, you talk about in your book bearing witness with the Spirit, and that is more of a nudging of our hearts as opposed to hearing a direct uh, word from the Lord. Talk about that. What does that bearing witness of the Spirit mean? Yeah, the Bible says in Romans 8 that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And I think that the primary way, or I would say the most common way that we hear God's voice is is by this bearing witness. So it's like a stoplight, Ryan, where there's a green, yellow, and a red. And when we're praying about something, the Lord green lights us. We feel a restfulness joyfulness and an ease about something God wants us to do. So he's, we, we feel a witness that's good about that. Or if we're praying about something and we feel a stoplight, we feel a check about it, that's the Lord saying, don't do that. For example, two weeks ago, I was driving home from the church on Central Boulevard here in Phoenix, and I stopped at the light at Dunlap, and I felt I, I, I was just I had beautiful worship music on. I was praying in my heavenly language and just quietly, kind of gently. Uh, and the light turned green, and I felt the impulse, don't go. Don't go. And um, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to follow that impulse. So I sat there. I sat there for four seconds. At the fourth second, at a green light, a huge power truck that was carrying a trailer that was filled with 40-foot power poles, wooden power poles, ran the light the other way, right in front of me, going about 50 miles an hour. 
if I had gone forward, that would have killed me for sure. It was a huge truck. I just have a little two-door car. The Holy Spirit saved my life um, for two things. I spoke in my heavenly language, and I followed that instinct. And it's amazing that, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a loud voice. There wasn't, you know, angels in front of my car holding me back. There was this, this prompting, when the light turns green, don't go forward. No, so everybody has that. The, the moment you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit moved in with all, with all of that leadership, that guidance capacity. And so how, how we get in trouble is when we, re, when we run red lights, when we do things, because sometimes things look good to our eyes, to our senses, and to our mind. But in the, when we pray about it, there's the uneasy about it. But instead of, um, you, you know, not doing it because it looks good, we, we, we do it, but then we get in trouble. So every time I've made a mistake in the ministry, it's because I did something that looked good, and I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, you know, checking me, don't do this. And so it's the same in all of life, that sometimes a situation can look bad, but the Holy Spirit says, go for it, go for it, go for it. And then we see, you know, weeks or months later, wow, this really turned out good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we, we, we can so trust the Holy Spirit side of us in leading and guiding us into all truth, as Christ said. That is so good. And you were doing something in your car. We, we're thankful that you are here, by the way, listening to the Holy Spirit's nudge. Uh, you were doing something in the car besides uh, praying in your heavenly language, praying in tongues. You, you were listening to worship. Um, in your book, you talk about how worship is a key to opening the heavens for the prophetic. It is such an honor that that you and I and every believer, we get the privilege of being worshipers to God. It's such an outrageous privilege and honor. And and when you think about it, when when, when Lucifer fell and it was Satan that was his he was an archangel named Lucifer, he's kicked out of heaven because of rebellion. He takes one third of heaven with him. Well, Lucifer was in charge of worship. His voice was like an organ. Was translucent. Every the presence of God was shining through him on the rainbow, inexpressibly beautiful colors. So he worshipped both visually and audially. His whole being was a worshiping, uh, uh, you know, angel. And so he took the whole choir of heaven with him. And so think about the honor that we have as the body of Christ to replace fallen angels in heaven. So we fill heaven with worship, and every time we worship, we open the heavens. There's just there's just so many good consequences from worshiping God. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll share a, a quick story. I was uh, just like a 20-year-old uh, 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 youth pastor, and I, was, I, I gathered the kids in my father's church in uh, downtown Phoenix one night for an all-night worship session. So I went to the piano and just started playing away and played. And we worshiped for hours from, from maybe from 8 o'clock to maybe 3 in the morning. We're just so... There's like 20 of us in the auditorium, and and they're all spread out, laid out on pews, and and worshiping God. And um, we, I turned the lights out up front, and we parked our cars out back, so so you couldn't tell. There was no tangible sign that the church was open from the street. But about three in the morning, someone started banging violently in the front door. It was kind of startling, right right when we were worshiping. And so I went to the door. And uh, opened the door, and there was a businessman 
and with a, a very nice suit behind him with a brand-new Cadillac. And here's what he said to me. He said, I'm coming home from uh, doing drugs at my girlfriend's house. I'm a backslidden pastor. And somebody compelled me to, to turn into this unlit parking lot. Something compelled me to get out of my car and knock on this unlit church door because I can't go a moment longer without getting right with Jesus. Wow. And, and I realized, Ryan, when we were worshiping God in our church, the glory of God was cascading down the neighborhood until it hit a house where a backslidden pastor was doing drugs with his girlfriend. And the glory of God hit him. The Holy Spirit hit him. And like a magnet, drew him into the place where we were worshiping. He fell on his knees right there at the doorway of that church and came back to Christ. It was a remarkable thing, witnessed by like 20 of us. And I've seen so many miracles happen because of worship. So when we worship, there's always angelic presence, there's transactions, and, you know, how David described it, how the book of Psalms described it, he said this, with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand, we will execute the judgments written. And, man, there's this beautiful poetic coordination between worship and prophetic words. And when they're joined together, when there's high praise and high worship, and then words of God that come, um, like the psalmist said, that high praise of choice of sword releases God's will over all kinds of environments and and nations and families and situations. And so, in, in, in my story, that's you know, my kids grew up with with their hearing their father every night, sometimes in the middle of the night playing our piano, worshiping God. So we are a house that worships in our church is a radically worshiping church. So there's just nothing that we prioritize more because I see so much benefit, including the releasing of angelic activity, a heightened expression of angelic activity when we worship and praise God. Which is what you talk about in your CD set uh, that you did for us exclusively. Now, I want everybody to remember that uh, Dr. Michael Maiden, uh, pastor for 42 years, uh, he's lived this, he's walked this, and he wrote this brand new book, What Is Heaven Saying? And he did three CDs for us that are so good that'll lead you into those encounters with God. And, and Pastor, before we have you pray for people, I want to ask you about one more area that, that is very intriguing. You call it prophetic healing. What is that? Growing up in the church, I've seen a lot of different expressions of the prophetic. So a lot of them, you know, and, and they're all good. Listen, anybody that's trying it, anybody that's, you know, stepping out of faith, just go for it. But what I found out is a lot of times, like, there was kind of an incomplete expression of a prophetic encounter. So God doesn't reveal things unless he wants to heal things. So almost every time I'm prophesying to someone, I know that there is, so if God shows me there's an issue and or, you know, bondage and oppression, a difficulty, a trauma, right away, I just know there's a healing. And so I see the most, you know, prophetic ministries are what edify, exhort, and comfort. It should heal, it should encourage, and it should build up. And so there's, there is such a, a opportunity to release healing through prophetic words. And because people, listen, right now, 
suicide hotlines are having the most calls they've ever had. There is more anxiety than any time in my lifetime worldwide now. So people are suffering more than any time in, 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 in modern history. And we need healing prophetic words. And so I always try to attach a, a healing to a word. So if God shows me, you know, when this person was 11 years old, they, they were, you know, something horrible happened in their, in their family. I know I'm not just supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say God's healing you from it, and God's love is pouring into you, and God's releasing you from the grip of that. So tying those things together, which is so important because if there's if, if we diagnose, it's like diagnosing a disease, but then not treating it. If in prophetic ministry we only declare what's wrong, that's so good. And Pastor, I feel that you have a release to pray for people right now, even in that area. But whatever is on your heart uh, is great. But if you would just pray for the people at home right now, or wherever they're listening, of whatever comes into your spirit, whatever that, whatever nudge you feel from the spirit, whatever word that you have, we just want you to go for it. Release that right now. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Father God, I, I pray for those that are listening right now. I thank you, God, that this was a divine appointment for them to tune in. Lord, I saw earlier you were, you were healing people from neck pain and from back pain, from upper back and neck pain. So, God, I just declare your power healing necks and backs now in Jesus' name. There's someone that's had a suicide in your family. Your whole family was unraveled by it, the pain and the agony. But God is taking the trauma of that death out of your heart, out of your life, and I just declare healing over you. And, Father, I pray for anyone that's suffering from depression. You healed me, Father, by your grace and by your love from, from manic, serious depression. And, Lord, I pray for anyone who's suffering depression to be healed. Jesus, you said you've come to heal broken hearts. Thank you for healing hearts and minds. I take authority over demonic activity against people's minds now through anxiety, through phobias, and through fear, through any other disposition that's not from God. We bind the works of the enemy. And I declare over you, my precious brother and sister, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And Father, I pray for a download of heavenly hope that you would, God, give people, even in the midst of chaotic uncertainty, that they would have an assurance in this moment, God, that you are fighting for them, that you are for them, not against them. You are helping them. And, Lord, help their hearts to dream again. We know our hearts are healthy when they dream again. Help hearts to dream about the future you've ordained. Thank you, God. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, I pray for any mother or father or brother or sister who's been praying for, like, like my son, someone who's away from God. Maybe they're fighting addiction. Maybe they're just on the run from God. We declare, like Isaiah prophesied, in chapter 60, lift up your eyes and see your sons and your daughters come home from afar. So, Father, I declare, like you brought my son home, and he's a man of God, I thank you, God, for bringing sons and daughters home. We declare, God, that families are going to see reconciliations and healings and all kinds of miracles concerning their sons and daughters. Thank you, God, for your, your love. I pray, God, that you would so overpower Every heart, God, that's been fighting a battle with fear, there is no fear in your love. And your perfect love casts out fear. I pray for an avalanche of your love, Father. Wrap your arms around these hearts and just drive out 
fear, all fear in Christ's name. And Father, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you, who doesn't know your son, who doesn't know the forgiveness of sins, who doesn't know what it's like to be a friend of God, who doesn't know what it's like to have their sins liberated. I pray that they would come to you. It's so easy to open your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive your forgiveness. I surrender my life to you. Father, draw people to you, I pray. And Lord, I pray for the release of the prophetic gift that we talked about with Ryan. I pray, God, for the release in every heart that's hungry for it, Father. And those that are uncertain, Father, just give them the assurance that this is for them, that they can have this gift, that they can hear your voice, that they can be led by your spirit, that they can have words of knowledge, words of wisdom. They can flow in prophetic gifts. So, God, I release prophetic visions and dreams and prophecies to your people in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, let's pray for it. There's an outpouring across this, uh, uh, to everyone that's listening, an outpouring of fresh prophetic visitations, even for, for some people, just such high-definition prophetic dreams, others having accurate visions, others having specific encouraging prophetic words for others. Lord, I pray for the release of the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, for all those that are listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, and you've been listening to the Messianic Vision with our guest pastor, Michael Maiden. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Pastor Michael Maiden wants to mentor you on how to prophesy God's Word with authority. In his brand new book, What Does Heaven Say?, an exclusive to CD set, Angels in the Prophetic, a master class on releasing the angelic realm in your life. You will learn that every believer can hear God's voice, that angels are released when you speak God's Word, and how to bring the power of the Holy Spirit with you to change your life and the lives of others. Also in this exclusive bonus CD, A Guide to Prophetic Healing, you'll learn how to use the gift of prophecy to bring physical healing to others. Call now for Pastor Michael's brand new book, What is Heaven Saying? An exclusive two CD set, Angels in the Prophetic, a master class on releasing the angelic realm in your life, an exclusive bonus CD, A Guide for Prophetic Healing, for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-447. 2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Pastor Michael Maiden's brand new book, What is Heaven Saying? An exclusive two CD set, Angels in the Prophetic, a masterclass of releasing the angelic realm in your life an exclusive bonus CD, A Guide to Prophetic Healing, offer number 9695 for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9695. Once again, that's offer number 9695.